Well, good morning, Mercy Road. If I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Mike Lotzer. I'm the lead pastor here, and what a crazy Easter we had last week, huh? Drive-in, preaching in blizzards. So whether you joined us uh, from home or you were in a vehicle, thanks for uh, celebrating the risen Jesus Christ with us. And a belated happy Easter to each one of you and to your family members. We're living in crazy times. This is just a tough season because we don't really know when it will end. And there's a collective sense of uncertainty. What will this do to the economy? What will this do to our future lives and vocations? What about our health? Whenever human history has found itself in a particular moment of an uncertainty, followers of Christ have leaned into a secret coping mechanism. It is anticipating the life to come, living in light of eternity. That's what this new sermon series is all about. Today is week one of a series called Imagine Heaven. A year and a half ago, I picked up a book called Imagine Heaven by a man named John Burke, a pastor out of Austin, Texas. And it was about NDEs, near-death experiences. I have found the claim of an NDE, a near-death experience, kind of um, unbelievable. It, it, it just seems like it's kind of out of this world. And in a sense, if it's true, it really is out of this world. What John Burke did in this book that we're basing this sermon series on is he interviewed thousands of people. And he really went after credible people who would have no profit motivation to write a book or share a story that they made up. And he, he looks into these stories of people who claim to have actually died and been given a glimpse into heaven, to even have met Jesus. This may sound hard to believe, and I know, like you, I'm a bit skeptical as well. So take a look as we transition here. The next uh, little interview bit comes from a woman who is an orthopedic surgeon, a very logical, linear thinker. She had something incredible happen to her. She died and had an encounter with Jesus, and she came back to talk about it. Take a look. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're gonna do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet, 20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the front end of my boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms 
even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done, and I meant it. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery, uh, not so much of a rescue. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. Well, that is something. It's strange, isn't it? These uh, experiences, near-death experiences, apparently they happen to one in 25 people. What a common phenomenon that really isn't talked about very often. And yet, I suppose you can understand if this happened to you, you might not want to share it because you'd be afraid people would think you're, you're crazy or you're making something up. In this series, we're going to do something very different than our normal sermon series. Typically, uh, I write the messages with uh, my friend, Pastor Tom Bennett in uh, California. He pastors the church, and we preach our own versions of the messages we write, our own uh, content and series. Here, we're going to be following uh, much of the material in John John Burke's book, Imagine Heaven. Now, many of you are chuckling at the idea that we're doing this sermon series because for the last year, I've handed out probably 100 copies of these books to friends and family members. And, and here's what happened. I was staying in an Airbnb overnight for a content writing retreat just by myself, just doing some prayer. And I started to read this book and I got really emotional. Tears came to my eyes as I just couldn't put it down. It really triggered in me this idea that, of course, as a pastor, I believe in heaven. I believe Jesus when he says, I go and prepare a place for you. But do I really let it enliven my imagination? And as I read about these different accounts and how John, the author here, matches them up with scripture, I just got really excited to go. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not suicidal. I'm not... Uh, saying I want to leave my family and friends in this life, but what I do look forward to more than anything else is heaven. So I'd like to talk a, about a few goals for this sermon series. The first goal, if you uh, are jotting down any notes, is to answer common questions that all of us have about eternity, about the afterlife. I think it's very uh, normal from early childhood on into adulthood to have questions about the life to come. And we're told that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So in a real sense, we can't see it all, can we? And yet, it would appear through these near-death experiences 
that God has just given us a taste of the life that is to come. I'd like to uh, continue here by uh, directing you to uh, a scripture. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered. These are the words of Jesus. Each to your own home. Does that not feel like it's the official COVID-19 shelter-in-place verse if there ever was one? A time is coming and in fact has now come where you're going to be scattered and you will be in each of your own homes. There'll be some isolation and isolation is hard. He goes on, Jesus goes on to say, you will leave me all alone yet I am not alone for my father is with me. I have told you these things. Why has Jesus said this? So that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Right before Easter, we finished a sermon series called When God Disappears. And for many of us, let's be really honest today. That's what it still feels like. It feels like God is distant. This is hard. It's a grind. And yet Jesus, he, he warns us here in Scripture before he departs from his disciples. He said, don't be shocked when you go through really, really hard things. Hard things like the very thing that you're going through right now. You can have real functional peace because I'm going to prepare a place for you because this life is not all there is. Yeah, you're going to suffer in this life. Yeah, you'll go through all kinds of things. It won't make sense. God will feel distant at times. And yet, Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. How has he done that? Well, the, the obvious claim through the ages of the church is that God has become a human being. He has died in our place, and he was really, really dead. Not a near-death experience, a full death experience, but it wasn't a final death experience. He rose just as he was predicted to do, prophesied to do, and that resurrection, that being dead and then no longer being dead and now being glorified has huge implications for every one of us who want to trust in the forgiving love of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If you're watching this and you're a skeptic, would you do me a favor? If you're going to hang in with us on this series, and it will be an interesting one for sure, would you, would you please promise me that you will listen with an open mind? I think it's admirable for a skeptic, an agnostic, an atheist even, to listen to a series like that. And if you read John Burke's book, he talks over and over again with people who are uh, academically very honest individuals, who are very logical. He talks with scientists and ba bank presidents and atheistic professors about their supposed near-death experience. Did you know that he interviews one gentleman, and we'll see his video in later weeks, who has such a powerful near-death experience, even though he's an atheist and a college university professor, afterwards he becomes a, not only a Christian, he becomes a pastor. His wife, who's also an atheist professor, is so disturbed by this that she promptly divorces him. What would make a man like that change his whole life trajectory? want to do nothing else but tell people about the love of Jesus. Clearly something happens in these near-death experiences. 
so one goal is to answer these common questions, but uh, there is another goal that I have for believers for sure. It's to make you feel alive with a sense of anticipation of heaven. Yesterday, uh, the governor of our state, the state of Minnesota, lifted some of the restrictions on outdoor recreation. I think he felt bad for us because, you know, we spend like nine months of the year frozen over, and he was probably like, we can't just keep them in their house now that it's going to be 60 degrees. And so I got to take my little girl to the park. Now, we have been going to the park before, but it's really difficult to explain to a four-year-old little girl that there is a slide, honey, but you can't go on it. Do you know how excited that little girl's face looked? She just squealed with delight when I said, in an hour, we're going to the park. Think about that. If going to the park can animate a little four-year-old girl and make her act like a perfect angel for the next hour of anticipation, what would it look like if this journey really brought us to a place where we're totally alive with a sense of anticipation? You've been there before in your life. Remember before that huge vacation? Remember before your wedding day? Remember before you graduated after all that hard work? I spoke with a dear friend of mine last night, and she lost her mother. Her mother passed away last night. And I prayed with her over the phone, and I was brought back to a conversation I had uh, a week or so earlier with a young mother in our congregation who lost a child, stillbirth. In both situations, there was this profound, deep sense of loss. It just hurt their hearts. In one case, it was a mother grieving for her son, In the other case, it was a daughter grieving for her mother. And it didn't seem to matter in a sense that the mother who passed was 91 and the child who passed was an infant, but in both cases, the grief was heavy and palpable and real. And in both cases, what do you think I said to those women over the phone? I said, this is graduation day for, for the one you've lost. It's hard, and we're going to validate that. But they are in the arms of Jesus right now, and this is what this series is going to challenge us to remember in times of quarantine and hardship and challenge. I hope you come alive with anticipation. I'd like to uh, also insert in this series longer interviews with the people that John Burke um, studied and their NDEs. So now if you'll turn your attention to this screen, keep tuning in, and bear with us as we get through some of the technical uh, changes. You can see we're shooting here, coming to your living room from our living room, and uh, that takes a, a bunch of new tech changes. So we'll, we'll get it straight, but lean in to this longer interview with Dr. Mary. So help me welcome Dr. Mary Neal. Thank you. 
And, and you said you, you, from the point your kayak got stuck, it was 30 minutes yes. before, so you were gone that much time. And I know you said it was realer than real, but when you came back, you still were trying to figure out what was that, what kind of, talk about some of the, the, the questions you asked and went through. I came back knowing that my experience had been real, but desperately trying to convince myself otherwise. I had great motivation to discount my experience as being a dream or hallucination or something along those lines, because if I were to accept that my experience was real and true, then I also had to accept that everything I'd been told was real and true, including things I didn't want to accept, including the coming death of my oldest son, including some health issues with my husband and this mandate to share my experience with other people, which is definitely not something I would have signed up for. Uh, but I, I spent many, many months trying to discount my experience, trying to chalk it up to being a dream, which is something, first of all, I'm not that creative. Second of all, dreams are very different. They're usually uh, very chaotic, very poorly remembered. They involve people who are still alive whereas near-death experiences are very logical. They're very sequential. Uh, they involve people who are already dead. They never involve people who are still alive. And the memory is very, very different. People who have had near-death experiences remember the experience as precisely and accurately 50 years later as when it was actually happening. So I was able to very quickly discount that. I considered whether it could be a hallucination from neurotransmitter release, but the chemicals that are released in a dying brain are very toxic to the brain. And the cells that are most sensitive to death are actually the ones that create memories. Mm -hmm. And so I spent many months and in the end came to the realization that no, my experience was outside the realm of science, outside the realm of medicine and- But not uncommon. Very common. It's surprising that within a room this size, there are many, many people who have either had a near-death experience or had a friend or relative, yeah. but they don't talk about it. Yeah. Well, it's very personal, right? Hard, hard to talk about. It's very difficult. Yeah. So take us back to that day. I mean, here you are pinned under a waterfall. You realize you can't get loose. I mean, that must okay. have been terrifying. One would think so, but I felt great. <laughs> I had always feared a drowning death, but actually I felt no fear, I felt no panic, I felt no sense of air hunger, I felt wonderful. And the moment that I very consciously made a choice to surrender the outcome, I truly asked that God's will be done, regardless of whether that meant I was to live or die. The very moment that I asked that, I was overcome with a very physical sensation of being held and comforted and reassured by Christ that everything was fine. My husband would be fine, my young children would be fine regardless. And I was this receptacle into which Christ was pouring his love and his very being. And that was the first many profound aspects of this experience because I was no saint. <laughs> I tried to be a good person, but I did not deserve to be held or loved by Christ. Just like, you know, none of us ever no, deserve yeah. anything. And while I was being held, my life, as you said earlier, was just laid bare for all of the, the high points and low points. And so it was like a life review? We started a life review and it was Is it not like you re-experience your life or what? 
I know, we're going to go into it. It's, it's difficult. It's all simultaneously occurring, and it, everything is present at the same time, and not with any sense of judgment, which is what I would have assumed would have happened. But we then at one point went through my life and looked at all of the events that I would have otherwise said were terrible or bad or horrible or sad or tragic. And I had the most remarkable experience of seeing that event, not three or four or five times removed, but seeing how a given event impacted me, impacted my little world and the world as a whole, when seen from a vantage point of 25, 30, 35 times removed, and what I was shown again and again and again and again is that God's promise is true, that indeed beauty comes from all things, even when we can't see it. Mm. He works all things together for the good. Absolutely. So, so you experience this life review, you were, you were underwater like 15 minutes or something, and then yes. when you came up and they found you, they started their stopwatch and it was another 15. Right. So what, what, where were you and what were you doing? I was gone. <laughs> I was still aware of the physicality of it all. I could feel the water. I could feel the plastic of the boat. My body was sucked over the deck of the boat by the current. And as my body was coming out of the boat, my spirit peeled away from my body. And eventually I then rose up and out of the river. And I was greeted by a group of somethings. People, spirits, beings, all those words seems sort of hokey to me, but, but they had these were, bodies, they were, what, what they was like? did have physical form, they had head, arms, legs, they were wearing these um, robes that were very indistinct, somewhat translucent or pearlescent, <laughs> and were radiant, absolutely more brilliant than the sun, but not in a blinding sense, and they were absolutely exploding with beauty and an absolutely pure unconditional love of god and it's a love that we don't experience we experience conditional love mm -hmm. but this was an absolute love and they were so overjoyed to greet me and welcome me and love me and guide me and there was a shift of time and dimension so that i could be with them and i was trying very desperately to get down this exceptionally beautiful path to this great dome structure of sorts that I knew without any doubt was the point of no return. So was, that was like the entrance to It heaven. was, I feel like I was in heaven, but I was definitely in the, the foyer. Mm -hmm. And this was <laughs> the point at which there was no return. And I could simultaneously look back at the river and see the guys pull my body to shore and see them start CPR. And I was really surprised at that point because I recognized my body as mine, as representing my life, my husband, my children, and I had a great life. I have a great life. I had every reason in the world to return, but I looked at my body and I knew I was not coming back. I knew that I had absolutely no intention to return because I was absolutely overcome with this sensation or this experience of being home of being where I really belong, where we all really belong. It was as though I'd been on this long and wonderful journey to earth, but now I was home. I was going to sleep in my own bed. I, it was wonderful. And so I, I kept going down this path as quickly as I could. And, and there was beauty? The along. beauty uh, 
spoke to me. I absolutely believe that God presents to each one of us, just like on earth, God meets us where we are. And I believe that God presents to each one of us that experience, that scene that will speak to us and that we can understand, that will make us feel comfortable and loved and welcomed. And for me, it was color and flowers and the aroma of flowers because that's what really moves my soul. And they, were they like real? I mean, when you, it was, you know, people kind of still, we think it's kind of probably fuzzy. No, it was and... real, it was, but it was different because here on earth, we feel this table and it's real. But we can't understand the table. We can't hear the table. We can't, we can't feel experience. the love of the table. We can't experience the table. But there, the, the flowers, the aromas, the, the colors were multi uh, faceted, I could understand them. It's like you I, experience it in I a whole new way. In a Life. very different way. Yeah. And we then reached this threshold, and I was there for what felt like many, many hours. And while I was there, uh, I had many uh, profound parts of this experience, but one of which was this sense of understanding, of, of getting it, understanding the divine order of everything. And one of the things that was so important to me is coming to an understanding of how it can really be true that there is a God who is real and present and that there's a God who actually knows each and every one of us, all billions of us on the planet, loves each and every one of us as though we're the only ones and has a plan for each and every one of our lives that's one of hope. And for me, that was life-changing. And it should be life-changing. Yeah. And, and then I got kicked out. And then <laughs> <laughs> it was traumatic. What, what did they say? Uh, I was told that I, it wasn't my time. I still had more work to do on earth and that I had to go back to my I did what I think any reasonable person would do, and I said, I'm good. I was told I, everything was fine. I, I can stay. And uh, as I said earlier, I'm a doctor, not a lawyer, so here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and as part of that um, discussion of whether I could stay or not, I was then told about some of the work I still had to do, including this mandate to share my experiences with other people and the coming death of my son and some other things. And then I was taken back down this path and reunited with my body. And, you know, I, I, I think it's important because um, so many people uh, would say, well, why, why wouldn't God give us all that experience, right? I mean, that would make it so much easier, right? Well, it would. And I've had many, many people say, gee, I really would love to have your experience. But what they're really saying is, I'd like the spiritual experience, but I don't really want to drown or break my legs or do any of that. <laughs> the coming back. Uh, yeah. And I asked that question for a long time. Yeah, because, I mean, and in your book you write absolutely. Uh, about see seeing Jesus and asking right. him, why doesn't everybody right. have this experience? And the fact is there is great power in using the free will and free choice with which we're created. And even Thomas, if you go back to the Bible, I mean, Thomas was like me. He wanted to stick his finger in the hole and... Christ said, <laughs> you know, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And I said for many years. And he years, said the same thing to you? He did. 
And I for many years, I said that, you know, I, I lost my faith, and I was very sad about that. What do you but mean? it was replaced with a trust. Oh. Because it re was replaced with knowledge. But the fact is, even though Christ said that, and even though it is true, I would say that actually everybody can see because I absolutely believe that although not everyone's going to have the dramatic experience I had, every single person can experience God's presence in their life and experience God's miracles mm -hmm. if they look for them, if they acknowledge them for what they are. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear more from, from Dr. Neal. So we're going to videotape her, and throughout the weeks, we're going to have little segments as well, and we'll post the whole thing somewhere. But let's thank Dr. Neal for taking thank the time. You, to be here. Thank you so much. Of God, he goes on to then quote Isaiah 64, and he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about that just for a minute. Let that really rest into your soul. God loves you enough, and he loves me enough, to prepare something that is so wonderful, that is so much better than what we would prepare for ourselves if we were um, able to, to have all the money in the world or all the means in the world. He's prepared something so much better than anything we can think or imagine, or invent, or create, or make an app for. <laughs> and, and we get a glimpse of that through Scripture first, and also through these incredible experiences. Apparently, one in 25 people have near-death experiences. My friends, as we begin this journey, this out-of-the-world journey, we're going to look at all kinds of different things the Bible has to say about heaven, Will your pets be there? Will, what age will you be? What will you look like? What will it be like? What will we get to eat? Will we get to, do we wear clothes? Do we emanate light? And, and the Bible doesn't give us every single de detail, but it does give us a lot, and it gives us enough to bring our imagination alive. I believe after a year and a half now of really researching carefully these near-death experiences that Though some of them do not line up with Scripture, I believe the majority of them point us to what the Scripture says happens on the other side of death. I believe that we're going to last forever and that we get to live forever in the presence of God. That is, if we have accepted the forgiving love of Jesus Christ. I'd, I'm going to end every message with that question. It's not meant to manipulate it's simply to invite. Have you accepted the love of Jesus? Do you know that Jesus loves you more than anyone else has loved you or will love you or is capable of loving you? Do you know that you are his child, that he spoke you into being, he wrote you into the story, that he's been with you every step of your life, the painful moments, the wonderful moments, the moments where you were very selfish, the moments where you were very courageous, and he sees every little thing about you, everything you've ever done, and he loves you more than anyone has ever loved you. 
Do you know that? Have you accepted this forgiving love? If you were to ask me, a pastor, how do I accept that forgiving love? I think there's some mystery in that. But I think there's some simplicity in that. It's kind of like my little girl. She's so excited to go to the park. If she got really hung up on saying, how do I activate going to the park, Dad? I would just look at her and I'd say, honey, if you want to go to the park, if you want to be with me at the park, you're going to be at the park with me. Do you want to go to the park with Jesus? I pray today that you would just say yes. As we continue uh, looking forward into this series, we are going to give you discussion guides and resources. We'll give you the links to all the, the full interviews so you can watch the interviews on your own time and you can really talk about that. I encourage you to continue to form uh, small groups on Zoom as many of us have been doing in this time to meet with a friend for coffee and read through this book, meet with them virtually, <laughs> that is, and just talk and just say, this is out of this world. I don't know if I believe this book that Pastor Mike is pushing or, wow, what do you think about that video? We just watched that over Zoom together. Does this make sense to you? Does this line up with scripture? This is how a community proves that a church is not a building. A church is a group of people on the journey together, a journey that will extend into eternity. And now would you receive this benediction? Mercy Road, may the love of God and the peace of God just wash over you today. May God's face shine upon you and give you peace in the midst of this storm. And may you come alive with anticipation as you imagine heaven with us for the next six weeks. Amen.